Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, the primary command Jesus gave to his disciples was, go and make disciples. He did not say, go and get people saved, though that's an important first step. He did not say, go into all the earth and heal people. He did not say, go into all the earth and convert them from other religions to Christianity. No, the command he gave was simple. Go make disciples. That is what we are supposed to be doing, preaching, witnessing, having people be born again. All those are steps to help us fulfill the command of having people become disciples. That is one of the main problems I see in the modern church and that we're experiencing. We are too focused on the other steps and not on the disciple-making step. Amen? Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. You know Pastor Bob's speaking the truth here. But our guest today has been on the quest of making disciples for the last 30 years. Praise God. Cynthia Anderson is an experienced cross-cultural minister over over 30 years of experience in global leadership, church planning, and catalyzing disciple-making movements across the globe. Amen. She and her colleagues pioneered and launched 19 different disciple-multiplying movements, not events, movements throughout Africa and Asia, which directly leads to, to tens of thousands of transformed lives. Amen. Praise God. She's continued to work in multiplying disciples throughout her ministry. And her ministry is called Disciple Making Movements Frontier Missions or DMM Frontier Missions. She has just launched a marvelous book that will help you to shift mindsets, mindsets about discipleship and dramatically alter the outcome of your disciple making efforts. I guarantee it. Amen. It's titled The Multiplier's Mindset Thinking Differently About Discipleship. Help me welcome to the program. Cynthia Anderson. Cynthia, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join us today and share all about, all about your great book. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Bob and Pastor Bob. It's great to be here. Amen. And and prior to the recording, uh, you said that you're just here in the U.S. right now temporarily to visit a grandchild you hadn't seen yet. And then you're going back overseas again. So I That's thank right. you for taking time out of your schedule to join us today uh, while you're here on vacation. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm not sure it's been a vacation, uh, launching a new book, but it has been a wonderful visit back in the U.S., reconnecting with family and friends and supporters and and especially getting the word out about this new book. So Amen. thanks again for being part of that. Great to be Amen. here. Well, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Cynthia Anderson? Sure, I'd love to. Well, I am a disciple maker. I'm passionate for getting Jesus, making Jesus known, especially among those who've never had a chance to hear about him before. 
and I help this. I help people who are wanting to do that as well. I I serve pastors and leaders and really any passionate Jesus follower, someone who says I want to make disciples. I don't know how, or I want to. I'm making disciples. I don't know how to help those disciples multiply, and that's what I I love to do and have been doing for many years now. But I am a missionary kid. I was grown. I was born in Nigeria, West Africa. And then grew up in Ghana and Liberia, and then came back to the United States. We were evacuated from Liberia during a military coup when I was 13. And so we came back to the U.S. for a number of years, and I did my high school and college here. But it was during my college years that God really called me and my, my boyfriend at the time, who later became my husband, to invest our lives in reaching the least, last, and lost. And going back to the mission field. We didn't go back to Africa. We went to Asia and uh, my husband and I, we went first to Nepal where we lived for 10 years. And then we were in India for 14. And we've been living in Thailand where we currently live for eight, all focused on seeing disciples, make disciples, churches, plant churches, and seeing the multiplication of God's kingdom among those, particularly who've never heard of him before. But um, I'd say, Bob, you know, in recent years, my my heart has really begin to, begun to burn for the church in the West as well, as I see the real challenge that the church is facing and, and a, a generation and many leaving the church or becoming what they call the nuns. You know, they, they're not <laughs> affiliating with any particular uh, faith anymore. And so when I wrote this book, I really wrote it not only for my normal audience of people that I speak to and teach and train, but really also thinking of the church in the U.S., the church in the West, and wanting to help uh, bring some of the lessons and things we've been learning overseas about how to multiply disciples that are also applicable uh, very much so here in the U.S. So yeah, yeah that's a little bit who I am. Amen. Amen. So you first got involved with disciple making after seeing your parents do this while you were growing up. And what sparked that interest to continue down that path? I know, you know, I mean, the quick answer is, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do it and all that. But I'm saying what, what, you know, most, most young kids are like, I don't want to talk to strangers, you know, how, how did all that affect you? Yeah. Well, um, my, my father was, a um, a pioneer missionary. I would go with dad. I remember in Liberia going, I was about 12 years old and we would, we would go to these unreached villages and on the motorcycle and we would ford rivers. You know, my dad built his own raft and we would take the motorcycle on the raft and go out to these villages. And I definitely caught his heart and his passion for sharing Jesus with those who've never heard about him before. Yeah. But um, when we left Liberia, we exited under quite a bit of uh, trauma. It was a dangerous and difficult situation. And uh, some of my childhood friends I went to school with, their fathers were executed, they were working in the government. And so it was a hard exit um, as a teenager from Africa. And actually, at that time, I, I said to myself, I never want to live someplace that isn't safe. And um, I, 
I didn't think I would be in missions and um, making my life, you know, sharing Jesus with others. Of course, I still love Jesus and I wanted to share him with my neighbors and things, but I thought I'd live in the U.S. But um, when I was in college, I went on a missions trip. And the, if I'm 100% honest, my motives were not fully pure. <laughs> I wanted to see Asia. I thought that would be fun. And why not do a missions trip? And I could I could do it that way. But God rocked my world. And for the first time as an adult, I saw that there were millions who had never really understood who Jesus was. And, and God gripped my heart and turned my trajectory. And I came back knowing that I needed to invest my life in sharing Jesus with those who Amen. haven't had the opportunity to hear about him before. That is so awesome. Amen. Amen. Now your ministry though is focused on disciple making movements. Explain to us what a disciple making movement actually is as compared to say church planting or something like that. Yeah, sure. Well, actually when we first went to Nepal, again, we were in our twenties and I, I thought like the ultimate thing we could do would be to plant one church in an unreached people group like that would be just amazing if we could see god do that through us and a couple of years into our time in nepal there was a man named george patterson who came and did a seminar for some of us church planners there and he taught about disciple multiplication and that we shouldn't think of only making a few disciples but we should think of making disciples who would make disciples and he talked about planting churches that would plant churches. And it was in the early days, we didn't use the term disciple-making movement or church planting movement back then. But the, those early seeds of expanding our vision to believe that, oh, God might want to do more than just have us aim at adding one church. How could we multiply his kingdom, not just see addition of his kingdom? And, and so that was really when things began to shift inside of me and my husband. And we, we realized that God was calling us to believe for the multiplication of disciples. And really, it came from, from the Great Commission, which you referenced earlier, Pastor. It just, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And so often we focus on the make disciples part, but we forget that Jesus said, when we make disciples, we should teach them to obey his commands, including the command to make disciples. So right there in the Great Commission, we find multiplication that we are going to make disciples and teach them to make disciples, which is one of his commands. And when I saw that in scripture, I was like, oh, wow. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I yeah. want to make disciples who will make disciples who make Amen. disciples. And that's what a disciple-making movement is. It's when disciples um, come to Christ, but they don't stop there. They don't just follow Jesus. They learn to fish for men. They learn to also immediately begin passing on to others what they have heard. And when we see that, we see generations where one group of disciples will start other groups of disciples and those groups of disciples start other groups of disciples and you see this rapid multiplication and spread of the gospel through ordinary people it's not all pastors like you and i oh, yeah. or missionaries yeah. who are yeah. doing it but it's ordinary people who've come to christ who are learning how to bring others to christ and how to train them to obey the commands of jesus we see this multiplication happen and really really amazing to watch what god's doing around the world and how 
really tens of thousands come into the kingdom fairly quickly in some of these unreached areas Amen. and the kingdom of God's coming, things are transforming um, because ordinary people are doing the work, the work and they're, they're rising up as royal priests to live out what that means. Amen. Amen. What are, what are some of the advantages of these massive movements as compared to let's say the one-on-one -on -one discipleship making, or, you know, you see in a lot of churches here in the West, the new believer discipleship classes that you see in many churches. What, what explain the difference and what the advantages are of these massive movements as compared to something like that? Yeah, well, I think there are many. Um, one of the things that we see in overseas where I lived in India for many years, and there's, there's just millions who haven't heard and you see that the population growth among the unreached is far exceeding the growth of the church. And even where God is really working and we're seeing people come to Christ, the population growth just outnumbers the church growth that we're seeing there. And so when, when we're able to see a multiplication take place where there's more uh, rapid spread of the gospel, we're able to see that change and shift to where more people are coming to Christ than are being born <laughs> into, you know, uh, the Hindu faith or the Muslim faith or whatever it is. And so especially in those kinds of areas, it's really, really critical that we embrace a multiplication um, approach to church planning and disciple making if we want to, to see the acceleration of the kingdom. But I would say also here in the West, and as we've worked with disciple-making movements, sometimes people will say, well, how do you know that they're getting the depth of understanding of the gospel, that you're really seeing people um, not just have a surficial, you know, because you're seeing this rapid growth. How do you know that it's really going deep? And what we've seen is that because people in disciple-making movement approaches, people are studying the word in small groups. It's very participatory. So they're, they're observing scripture, they're talking about scripture together, and then they're always making a decision. How will I obey what I'm reading? And how will I pass it on to someone else? And then the following week, when they come back, we're asking, so what did you do? How, how did you obey what we learned last week? And how did it go sharing with someone? And so we call that the friendly accountability loop, which is kind of built into the very system that we use in disciple making. And, and that has just been so powerful in seeing real transformation and uh, change in people's lives because they're not just coming to church and listening to a sermon that they maybe forget the next day, but they're, they're listening, they're applying, they're engaging with scripture, and then they're, they're teaching it to someone else, which I don't know about you, but whenever I teach someone else, it goes so much deeper in my own life. And so um, just some, some really good advantages that I see in this approach uh, to seeing transformation of lives. You know, I explained in the opening that, you know, there's many, many churches today that sadly have failed to live up to the command that Jesus gave to go make disciples. And, and it's not just the churches that have failed, but that command was given to believers, okay, mm -hmm. each one of us. What are some of the obstacles that you've observed over the years that has caused believers not to go out and make disciples? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think some of the common obstacles that I know I've faced, even, even as a trained, you know, clergy and somebody who is, you know, trained in missions. Um, but sometimes, you know, there's these internal obstacles of just feeling like I feel inadequate. Um, I maybe one that I know I've said is I'm an introvert. How can I go talk to people about Jesus? I'd rather sit in a corner, you know, and uh, read a book. So how could God use someone like me who's an introvert or, you know, another obstacle people say, well, I, I don't know, I don't have theological understanding. I haven't studied enough. How will I answer questions that people will ask or People may say, I have issues in my life. How could God use someone like me? I still have areas of brokenness or I'm struggling in some relationships or how could God use someone like me? And um, what, what I've had to come back to, Pastor, is just that God uses ordinary, broken people, <laughs> broken vessels, weak people to do his work and he delights in doing that because then it's really for his glory he doesn't look for perfect people he looks for people who are willing to take a step of obedience take a risk to try to obey him and as we do that he meets us there and he starts to work through us but those are definitely some of the obstacles there's also other obstacles i think in people's minds thinking that this is really the job of the pastor and the missionary and the evangelist who's, you know, how, how could I ever have time to do that? This, that's someone who has that as their full-time job. And I think learning to make disciple-making really a lifestyle and something that we do in the context of we're at the grocery store and we're talking to somebody or we're, we're on our lunch break at work. And how do you, how do you initiate those spiritual conversations and make disciples as part yeah. of your normal life rather than as part of your ministry schedule. Yep. Um, that's another one that I commonly encounter. Amen. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about make it part of your normal conversation and daily life. You know, when we first logged on talking to each other, you know, say, Hey, how are you doing? And my response was what I'm blessed, saved, going to heaven and join the ride along the way. Right. Well, <laughs> I developed that when I was back in Bible school because you're required to witness the three people, write down their names on a three by five card, turn it every week to get your points for your grade <laughs> and stuff. And I was one of those introverts. I did not like going up talking to people that I did not mm -hmm. know, you know, and I'm standing in the grocery line one day and, you know, it's like four people in front of us. And, you know, I notice that the cashier says the same thing to every single person. What do they always say? Hi, how are you today? And mm -hmm. there'd be some old lady in there. Well, my back, that arthritis is getting me. And everybody in line <laughs> has to sit there and listen while they're ringing it up. And, and then the next person goes, hey, how are you doing today? Well, you know, work sucks and I got to do this. You know? And you're listening to all this story. And then the Holy Spirit said, use this opportunity. Mm. So. I got up there and I said, what am I going to say? You know, and she goes, hi, how are you today? And that just came out. It was Holy Spirit fed, you know, I'm blessed, mm. saved, going to heaven and joining her right along the way. And then how about you? Mm -hmm. And what I found over time was one, she can't run away. <laughs> She's got to stand there. And two, everybody in line is going to hear what we're talking about, you know? And, mm. uh, so and it's always fun. I, I do it to this day. And the thing is, if 
someone says, huh? With that deer in the headlight look, you got a live one on the line right now. So now you start <laughs> witnessing, right? And everybody else has to listen to it. And it says her name is Cindy. So on my three by five card, Cindy, cashier at the grocery store, right? Mm. And uh, so that was helping me fulfill my school obligations, but it became much more than that. And then mm. you get a believer, you know, say, I'm blessed, say, going to heaven and join it right along the way. How about you? And their eyes open. Oh, me too. Now you're sitting there talking about Jesus. And everybody in line has to listen to it till I get done. <laughs> you know? So it was a right. double win, you know, on both sides of that. Triple win, I guess, because it helped me with my school. But now it's so automatic because I did it mm-hmm. for those two years. My friends, mm-hmm. when I see them, hey, Bob, how you do it? And as soon as they said, they know what's coming because it's automatic a response for me, just like it was yeah. when you asked me that same question. Yeah. So, yeah, it, just make it part of your normal conversations, your normal life. I love that. And it reminds me, Bob, of, you know, one of the things I started doing a couple of years ago, and I find, especially as an introvert, I need habits. What I hear you describing is a habit that helps you get into conversation. um, Because it's not my normal personality to start conversations with people I don't know, you know, exactly. And so how can I have a habit in my life that helps me do that? And one of the things that I started doing was whenever we eat out somewhere, I always ask the server after they've served us, Hey, you've been doing a great job serving us. I'd love to do something for you. Is there anything I can pray for you for? That's good. And, and they often will, will share a prayer need. Sometimes it goes into a longer conversation. Sometimes it's just short, you know, occasionally Mm. people say, oh no, there's nothing, but, but it helps me to initiate a conversation. Yeah. And so having that habit in my life has really, you know, I think for, for introverts who don't naturally talk, look for a habit. Yeah. You know, maybe the one Bob described or what I've shared, but yeah. find well, I'm your gonna own steal habits, yours something. too. I'm gonna use yeah, yours too. You can Amen. Do. Amen. Praise God. That's good. Amen. Yeah. See, I learned something today, folks. Praise God. <laughs> I learned something from every interview, I have to admit. Praise the Lord. Now you've been directly involved in these discipleship movements. I take it this is not so much one-on-one door knocking, but massive community impacting movements. And share some of the interesting things that would demonstrate how these movements can impact a region leading to the multiplication effect of discipleship that you've been describing. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Well, one of the things that we saw, one story I'd love to tell is, is when we were working in India, there was a young, young couple and they, they had heard about the great commission. They moved into a new area and they started out by just going and doing prayer walking in the area. They would just walk and pray. They had a little baby. They'd go early in the morning carrying their child, and they would walk and pray and walk and pray. And then they met this this family one day as they were out walking, asking God to show us, show us who's what we call the person of peace. Who is somebody who's going to open up this community to us? And prayer is such a foundational thing in every movement that we see um, is laying the foundation in prayer. And I'd encourage your listeners, anyone who's listening, if you don't know how to start, start with prayer. Just get out in your neighborhood 
and start walking and praying for each house as you pass it and praying that God will give you an opportunity, you know, to find who is he working in and who is open to the message and give you an opportunity to meet them and have a conversation. But this couple in India did that and they came across a, a family and the family greeted them and said namaste as we say in india and then they they started a conversation and they found out that the the child in the family was uh, sick they had a little girl about 12 years old who had a, a problem of of bleeding and uh, she had been bleeding for a long time and not not stopped they'd taken her to many doctors used all their money up and uh, and this this couple said can we pray for you in the name of Jesus as a Hindu family? And they, they had tried everything else. So they, they said, sure, why not? <laughs> and so they, they prayed just a simple prayer, asking Jesus to touch this girl. And the bleeding immediately stopped. It's just like out of the book of Acts. The bleeding stopped. The family came to know the Lord and they began to call their neighbors. Come here, what this couple has to say about this Jesus. And so they were a person of peace, someone who believed and also called others to come and hear what, what, uh, who Jesus Amen. was. And so a little discovery Bible study started there. And this couple would go and share a Bible story and have discussion uh, with the group. And again, encourage them to share what they were learning with others. And as they did that, this began to spread. And that group started other groups that started other groups. And within a short period of time, there were, you know, several hundred groups in that, in that area. And that had been an area, uh, Pastor, where many, many girls and, and uh, children, boys as well, were trafficked um, into both sex trafficking and labor trafficking, which was common there. And it was a huge, huge problem in that area. But as people began to study the word and follow Jesus, their mindsets began to change about their children. And they began to think, we want our kids to go to school. We don't want our kids to be working in these sweat factories. We want them to go to school and they have value. They're made in the image of God. And they stopped sending their kids to these factories. And actually the, the church planner there got in trouble with the, the trafficking gangs and he couldn't go back there for a while because they knew his name and they knew who, who he was. He was destroying their business, but it was, it was God at work, you know? So we've seen this over and over as we see many coming to faith in an area, it brings social transformation as well. And sometimes we try to address these social issues um, you know, in different ways, but really they, they need the kingdom. They need to know the king. Yeah, <laughs> and amen. then he begins to bring change. Amen. Well, let's shift a little bit and talk about your book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Thinking Differently About Discipleship. Now, you've been doing this for quite a while, over 30 years. Why did you write this book now and why publish it at this point in time? Yeah, well, as we were working in India, there was a time, a point in time where I was really frustrated. We had we had been trying to see groups that would multiply and disciples that would multiply and really hadn't. And there was one morning where I was out sitting in my garden, I was praying and tears just began to stream down my cheeks. And, and I was like, Lord, is it ever going to happen? You know, is it ever going to happen? What we're praying for and working towards, is it ever going to take place? And this, this phrase came in my mind, you're just a little league team trying to win the World Series. 
And it was not from the Lord, but it plagued me for a while, you know, and I had played Little League as a kid. I was a second baseman and, <laughs> you know, Little League teams are, you know, they swing the bat and they miss the ball and they run and they fall over the base. And I just felt like that. I felt like a bumbling, stumbling, inadequate person trying to make disciples and even to make one disciple felt hard. And then how in the world were we going to multiply you know, thousands of disciples, which is what the need of the lostness around us really demanded. And uh, for a number of days, that phrase, you're just a little league team, you and your team trying to win the World Series came over and over and it drove me to scripture. And I began to pour through the gospels in the book of Acts, reading them again and again. And as I did, faith began to rise in my heart that God loves to use bumbling, stumbling, inadequate people to do his, his kingdom work. He loves to use people like us. And if he could do, use fishermen and tax collectors and ex-prostitutes to expand his kingdom in the New Testament, he could do it through us. And so faith came into my heart, and I've never since then turned back on the dream of multiplying, not just adding disciples, wherever I go and wherever I Amen. teach. But even though that faith was there, we didn't see that rapid multiplication right away. And, uh, but we continued persevering. But then a couple of years later, myself and a group of my colleagues, we got together and we began to really pray and seek the Lord. And we worked with a consultant as well, looking at our mindsets, our beliefs. And what were those areas where we said we believed things, but our actions didn't actually reflect that? Now, and one of them was, uh, you know, Jesus teaching, he says, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Don't look at the fields and say four more months until harvest. The harvest is ripe. Did I believe that? You know, or, or did I just say I believe that? Yeah. <laughs> and if I believe that, then it should be coming out of my life. And I should be saying, there are people around me who are ready to receive the gospel. I just need to go start a conversation so that I can find them. So that was an example. I call it in the book, an open mindset. You know, we make so many assumptions that people are not open to the gospel around us. Yeah. But yeah, Jesus said the harvest is ripe. So that was just one example. But you, getting back to your question, I, we went through this process of changing our mindsets in key areas, and the result of it was we went from seeing no movements of disciples to, as you mentioned earlier, 19 new movements in the next three or four years. And so, uh, yeah, last year I was praying, and I just really felt like what God has taught us um, about how to see a greater multiplication of fruit, multiplication of disciples. It needs to go broader. More people need to hear about it. Those changes he brought in us are changes that I need to make available to others as well. And that's really why I wrote the book is just wanting to see other people experience what we did. As we went through that shift of mindsets, we saw much greater fruit and results Amen. in what we were doing. Amen. So what are you hoping to achieve with now that you're publishing this book? Yeah, well, I really hope that anyone who reads it, um, I know some pastors and leaders will read it, but anyone, uh, someone who's sitting in the pew and they're hungry for more, that it will at least, there's 17 mindset shifts in, described in the book. And 
probably nobody's going to shift in all 17 areas <laughs> after reading the book. But that as they go through it, that there would be three or four key things that they would say, that's for me. And I'm going to start applying that. I'm going to start thinking differently. I'm going to start behaving differently. The book has discussion questions. It has action steps to take. It's a very practical, practical, easy to read book. You can do it with a, with a book club or a, a small group. But that as people go through it, that they would actually begin to do things differently, think differently, and that it would release greater fruit in their disciple-making efforts. I think there's so many people out there who really want to do what the Great Commission calls us to do, but they, they haven't been equipped or they don't really know how. And so I, I really hope then and pray that God will use this book to, for people to be equipped and that they'll see, see a greater fruitfulness in their efforts. Man, amen. So is this book written and designed for the individual or the church group or Bible study or who is it? Written yeah, it really for? can go either way. Um, an individual can read it and definitely benefit. But I think change in our lives happens best when we do it with others, you know, where we can discuss and learn together and we can pray for one another. So I highly recommend that people find two or three others and buy the book together and say, let's get together. Let's read this book together and let's discuss it and process it. And um, as Bill Smith, who wrote the foreword for the book, says, it's not a book to rush through, you know, to read and tick off your reading list. But it's a book to to go through and, and really think and pray and apply and uh, let God use it in a, in a deep way to bring real change in your life. But I, I always change best when I'm with with friends. So I Amen. recommend a reading group. Amen. Amen. Now, you also have a podcast we haven't talked about yet titled Dare to Multiply. I love that name. Share a little bit about your podcast with us. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So the Dare to Multiply podcast is all about uh, equipping people in what does it mean to make disciples. Uh, not everybody is a reader. You might be listening and say, well, I'm not a, a book reader so much, but I want to multiply disciples. And the podcast, uh, we we interview different people who are seeing disciple multiplication and movements take place in their areas. So you'll learn from practitioners. And then I also have a Q&A on there. Um, we usually have two question and answer times and then an interview. And we I, I answer just the basic questions about disciple multiplication and uh, questions that people have regarding what do you do in the group and what do you do when people come who don't want to multiply or they don't want to share with others, <laughs> just those kinds of questions. So it's very practical. Um, but yeah, it's been exciting to see how God's using it to help a lot of Amen. people. Amen. Well, Cynthia, this has been so interesting. How can someone obtain a copy of your book, The Multiplier's Mindset? Is it on Amazon? It is. It's on Amazon. It's in Barnes and Noble as well. But they can go to www.multipliersmindset.com. And that's where you can have all the, the extra details, extra bonuses and stuff will be described there as Amen. well. And um, for Dare to Multiply, it's on all the podcast apps. So just, just put in Dare to Multiply and you'll find Amen. it. Do you do speaking at events or churches or conferences and things like that? Yeah, I do. I do. In fact, got one. I'm heading off to uh, on Wednesday. So, Amen. yeah, I love to love to share with those who are interested in this topic. Okay, so if someone wanted to reach out to you, maybe ask a question, obtain more information, or maybe to come speak at a conference or 
maybe do an interview like this. How can they do that? How do you want them to get in touch with you? Yeah, well, probably the best way is through the the website, www.cynthiaanderson.com. Okay. And uh, there's a contact form on there and you can you can find out how to get in touch with me. I'd love for you to do that. Amen. I'll put links to all that in the show notes below. Amen. Folks, as Cynthia has been explaining throughout our conversation today, discipleship is not a suggestion or a nice thing to do once someone gets born again. It is fulfilling the command that Jesus gave every believer to accomplish. Amen. Cynthia's book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Thinking Differently About Discipleship, will help you to do just that. Drop down the show notes right now. Get in touch with Cynthia. You definitely need to click the link to order a copy of her book, The Multiplier's Mindset. In fact, I'd recommend you order two, three, maybe even four copies. One for yourself but you need to give the others out to your church pastor, the youth pastor, the outreach pastor, your friends at church. Amen. Get a movement started in your church and in your community and use this book to help launch it. Praise God. Cynthia, I, I pray for your ministry. You're doing great work for the kingdom of God. And thank you for taking the time to come on the program, sharing all about your ministry and your great book, The Multiplier's Mindset. I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's a joy to meet you, and God bless you guys and what you're doing as well. Amen. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. For Cindy Anderson and myself, this is Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.